Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by trichologist Claire Fulham, chatting all things hair loss. I remember then going, I'm losing a bit more hair, like I could see hair everywhere. It was all over my desk and work everywhere. So I went to my GP, she found five big patches on my scalp, one the size of my fist. So I was like, right, what am I going to do about this? Give me a plan. She just looked me dead in the eye and said, there's nothing you can do. I went on list for dermatologists. She had a cancellation and she very quickly said, yes, you have alopecia areata. As ever available on all podcast platforms. This week on In Focus, what next for Olympic gold medalist Kelly Harrington? Kelly Harrington, Beatrice Ferreira, three rounds. Here we go. In red. She's done it! Olympic champion Kelly Harrington. Gold for the darling of Dublin. What an incredible moment. Kelly Harrington, the pride of Portland Row. World champion, Olympic champion, people's champion. There can't be a person in Ireland who doesn't know her name at this stage. There's been times in my career when people say the whole country is behind you. This time, I really, really feel the whole country is behind me. Just unreal, do you know what I mean, for the inner city. The Pope didn't even get this, what Kelly Harrington is getting. It is fucking brilliant. Having lived in Katie Taylor's shadow for many years, Harrington is now enjoying her own moment in the spotlight. But as former Olympian Kenneth Egan knows, the fame can be short-lived and come without fortune if it's not handled properly. Back in 2008, we didn't really prepare for winning medals as a team. Nobody knew how to react, nor did I know how to react. And I was my own worst enemy anyway back then, but Kelly's a different animal altogether. She's well-settled, she, she's in a good, strong relationship. She, 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 you know, she has a, a wealth of experience behind her. I'm Kevin Doyle. You're listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. The last few days will have seemed like a dream for the 31-year-old, and despite being a late bloomer in elite sport, sponsors will now be knocking at her door. And she needs to decide whether to go to Paris or to go pro. Yeah, and the biggest decision will be, does she stay in the high-performance unit, which has produced so many success stories in Irish amateur boxing, or does she turn turn professional? It's a massive decision for her now. Kelly Harrington joins a very small group of people who can really understand what the last week have been like for her, and perhaps more importantly in the long term, what the next year and few years are going to be like for her on the back of her Olympic success. And among that small group is former silver medalist at the Olympics, Kenneth Egan. Kenneth, what do you make, I suppose, first of the way Kelly has handled herself over the last few days? Because that really, if anything, has added to her charm and perhaps even to her marketability, if we can call it that. Yeah, look, I've known Kelly a long, long time. Um, So this is nothing new to me, you know, her character. She's very relatable. She's very funny. She's very uh, easygoing and very approachable as well, you know. And and as you said, she's great with the media. She says all the right things. And that image that she portrays is real and it's genuine. Coming back from the games, you know, like she didn't really know what was going on back home. I suppose it was the same with me back in 2008 because of the time zones and and the the various differences in, in, in time zones. We didn't really know the, the extent of how popular we got over a fortnight of boxing. And likewise with Kelly, she probably didn't really know the, the, the immense attention that would have been building up over the last two weeks, in particular the, the, the Olympic final. Because as you know yourself, Kevin, it's very rare we get anyone into an Olympic final. And to go on and win the gold, my God, it was just amazing. And I was so proud of her, you know. Um, so she didn't really know what was going on back here. But obviously she's back now and things will be hot and heavy for a while, I'm sure, um, like, like myself. But 
she she has a good head on her shoulder. She's very well switched on and she's very mature, you know. Um, and uh, she's a good team behind her. Well, tell us a little bit, uh, Kenneth, what it was like for you at the time. I suppose you went from minority sport to very mainstream very quickly. And it's a lot to take on if you're not used to dealing with that amount of media. But also there's now going to be agents interested. There's people going to be trying to get her set up for fights. Um, there's a lot of business to it, I guess. Yeah, that's what it is now. When she gets off that plane, it will be business for the for the next probably six to 12 months. She will be busy. She will be asked to you know, for various appearances. But for me, back in 20 or 2008, different landscape, you know, we we didn't really prepare for winning medals as a team. We prepared to go out and perform. But when we won the silver and the two bronze medals, the association, nobody knew how to react, nor did I know how to react. We had a long space of no medals for, since, since 1992 was the last medal we won. So it was 18 years of nothing happening. All of a sudden, we have three medals. So I had no uh, guide or no uh, structure and went to come back to training or, you know, I was just let off the leash. And I was my own worst enemy anyway back then, but, uh, and obviously falling into my own troubles with alcohol and, and, and just not really uh, caring about uh, responsibilities, if you like, and just putting everything on the long finger and got caught up in that. But Kelly's a different animal altogether. She's well settled. She, she's in a good, strong relationship. She, she, she you know, she has a, a wealth of experience behind her. This will kick off now when she comes home. There'll be a lot of people looking for her to turn up to various events. But like I said, she has a good age behind her who will select very cleverly which ones to attend, which ones not to attend. And and going forward now, the question will be asked, will she turn pro, will she stay amateur? What's your own view on that? And I suppose explain a little bit to people who, who you know, we all get really into boxing and become experts at Olympics time. But explain to people what it means, the difference between, you know, staying at amateur and going pro, because I don't think people fully understand what that means. Well, starting off with the, with the, the sport itself, there are two different sports. One is the amateur boxing, which is based over three three-minute rounds, which Kelly displayed right throughout the Olympic Games. And they have headguards on. Professional would be based over 10 two-minute rounds with no headguard. But you wouldn't be fighting as often in a professional game. You'd be fighting two or three times a year. Whereas the amateur, you're seeing Kelly there, she fought three times in, in a week and a half. For Kelly to turn pro now, if she did decide to go down that road, and to know, just talk about her and fight uh, Katie Taylor in two years' time, it all sounds great, but it would take Kelly at least two years to get into that kind of a system of fighting for 10 two-minute rounds, you know? It's a, lo- it's a long process. Has she got time on her side to be a turn pro? She probably has, but if I was Kelly and I was in her shoes, what I would do is remain amateur, under the amateur umbrella, keep securing the funding which she's getting, which have been the Institute of Sport, the Sports Council have been fantastic in supporting all our Olympians that are, are meeting the criteria, which she's one of the top ones. So keep that funding coming in, working with our agents to, to build up a nice a nice uh, business, if you like, around our, our image and uh, try and compete and defend that title in 2024 in Paris. What about longevity? Because she is 31 years of age. So how long? I know there was one fighter in the latter stages of the Olympics, I think it was 40 years of age, but that seems extreme. Yeah, like with Kelly, you know, she she's a late bloomer, if you like, you know, she's only coming into the real full-time kind of a, a system the last three or four years, winning our world title back in 2019 and now the Olympic title. There's no reason why, because Kelly looks after herself. She doesn't, you know, she's not one of these rogues like I was, training hard, drinking hard. She minds herself, she looks after her body, she looks after her mind. There's no reason why she can't keep that going now. Take a, a nice break now, but get back into it and try and uh, continue this this Olympic movement and, and please God, go for 2024. There's no reason why she can't do that at all. 
you mentioned the idea of a Katie V. Kelly, which I, I think would sell out Crow Park a couple of times over. Would you like to see that kind of a fight or would it be a bit like, uh, I suppose, having to pick your favourite child in some ways? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know both girls very, very well. And I don't know if I'd like to see that. Look, it would be a great, a great um, event, I suppose. I thought people talk about Crow Park and, you know, but it's it's different. I think the both girls are at different stages of their careers. Will Kelly or will Katie be around in two or three years' time? She she's around a long time. She's in the pro game a long time. Um, it all depends on what Kelly decides to do next. If she makes a big announcement now, that's it. I'm going pro and I'm fighting Katie in two years' time. Then we can start to dream, but but we'll have to wait and see. It's it's suppose a hard decision. Vincent Hogan, sports writer with the Irish Independent. We often hear of athletes who make it to the very top, that it was her, their childhood dream to get there. But that's not necessarily the case with Kelly Harrington. The idea of an Olympic medal is a relatively new one for her, wasn't it? That's for sure, Kevin. I mean, when she started boxing, there was no women's boxing in the Olympics. So it certainly wasn't on her um, dream list, if you like, as a child. And if you go back to 2012, the first year of women's boxing in the Olympics and Katie Taylor's famous day against Oshigawa, uh, Kelly would tell you she didn't even watch that fight live. So this was not something that she was thinking of in, in terms at all. In fact, when you know Katie was fighting in Rio at the Olympics, Kelly Harrington was still an unfunded boxer. So this this is really a pretty recent thing it's only in 2006 when she came home from the world championships with an unexpected silver that she fell into the funding scheme and i think it was the following april april 2017 she became a funded boxer that's how recent all of this is in many ways you mentioned katie taylor there was she living in her shadow i know one of the questions she was asked on her homecoming was would she ever fight katie taylor and she was like don't even ask me that question but it does seem like Katie Taylor, I suppose, sucked up all the oxygen that was available for female boxers in many ways, while being a great role model, obviously. She did, yeah. It's, it's a two-sided thing because the, the number of young girls boxing now because of Katie Taylor is enormous in this country. Um, so that's one side of it. But yes, the other side of it is when you're trying to make your way, as Kelly Harrington was in 2016, 17, 18, Katie was just this huge figure. And I can see why Kelly would be quite irritated by the question now of, you know, would they get a fight together? Because their careers are on such different trajectories. I mean, you now have Katie Taylor, a multiple world champion in the professional ranks, 18 fights, 18 wins, making a lot of money. And Kelly, who's just won an Olympic gold. And and really, I think Kelly just wants to savor this moment for a while and decide whether she wants to go pro. I, I think she's going to take the next few weeks rightly, perhaps even months, to see what is available to her as, a, as an amateur. Um, a lot of people who care for Kelly probably wouldn't want her to turn pro because it's a, it's a very different game. Vincent, I saw a video last night where you got into the ring with Kelly Harrington after she won her gold and you asked her what her next ambition was and, and what might happen if she took it to the next level. Kelly, it's almost six months since she came home with that gold medal, world champion. Just talk to me what life has been like for you. It hasn't really changed. I'm still doing the exact same things that I've done before November, before I went out to India. I don't find that anyone's treating me differently. Uh, I, I wouldn't like to be treated any differently, to be honest with you. Uh, 
I'm a, I'm a very grounded person and I'll always be that way. Now, if, if I become an Olympic champion, I'll still be the same. So she told you, Vincent, at the time that she wouldn't change if she got an Olympic medal. Do you think that's even possible? Because we've seen over the last week the reaction she got when she came home, the, the national reaction on the front of the papers day after day. How could that not change a person? Very difficult, Kevin. <clears throat> and, I, and I think it's a huge challenge for her because, you know, it's one thing to come home a world champion in amateur boxing. It doesn't really register on the general public scale. Coming home an Olympic champion puts you into a completely different sphere. She now craves nothing more than her own company and that of her partner, Mandy, and just time to herself. And she, she's a very, very much a home bird. So it's going to be very challenging for, for her because a lot of this will become a bit of a pain, to be quite honest. Everybody will want a piece of her. And yes, there will be a, an opportunity to monetize her new status, but there will also be a, plenty of points where she'll, she'll feel like screaming, please give me my own space. The next few months are going to be really challenging. You, you talked about the Lion King. Why is the Lion King something so special to you? I don't know. Like I just felt like I was going to be a mighty king one day, and that's what, like, you know, so... Here we are, and it means no worries like, for the rest of your days. Like, what's worrying going to do? So exactly. worrying is not going to get you anywhere, is it? You just got to go with the flow. So You interviewed her many times before she became this household name, when she was exclusively being reported on in the sports pages. Is the Kelly Harrington that we've all kind of grown to know and love over the last few weeks, is that the real Kelly Harrington, or is this Akuna Matata thing, all part of the, the act and, and the psyching up for, for all those interviews? No, Kevin, this girl is 100% authentic. And I, I think, you know, when you hear so many people talking about Sunday morning, and, and, and I think if you didn't cry when you watched that, there's something, you, you must have a heart of stone because what you see with Kelly Harrington is exactly what you get. She has no airs or graces. She's got this lovely, warm personality. She hugs people. It's just an instinctively warm person. I remember sitting at her with the Irish Independent Awards Probably four years ago, she was at our table. And when she got up to leave, she individually hugged every single person at the table. That's Kelly Harrington. And, and, and that's what has made her so lovable. But also, she has a deep intelligence in terms of street wisdom, in terms of what you see in the ring, what you saw last Sunday. That doesn't come from just spontaneity. That comes from a really clever, tactical ability to absorb detail from Zorantia and coaches like that. So there, there's there's two sides to her. There's a very smart side to her, a very streetwise side to her, but there's also the warmth and the warmth is always there. Is there more of a public warmth, do you think, to amateur boxer, boxers than when they enter the pro game? And I suppose, is there this sense that once you go pro, that you've basically, you've, you've seen the, the dollar signs? I think there's a very artificial side to the warmth for amateur boxing. The warmth for amateur boxing is because we're winning medals at the Olympics. That's, that's what it is. I think there's still a huge warmth for Katie Taylor there. The sad thing for Katie is she is now this multiple world champion. She's never fought professionally in her home country and probably never will because as recently as last May, the Taoiseach said it, it, it didn't look likely anytime soon that we'll see a professional bill in Dublin. Why is that? Well, obviously, the Regency fallout. There has not been a professional boxing bill held in the city since the Regency murder. What has happened, professional boxing in this country since then, has been devastating. A lot of boxers 
I've had to go with MTK with their dubious background. Um, but it's the only show in town, really. They've had to box outside of the country. There were a few in Belfast because that's under the British Boxing Board of Control rather, rather than the Irish Boxing Union. But nowadays, you know, you look at Katie Taylor's fights, almost perfectly split between the US and the UK. And zero mention, zero mention of a big fight in Croke Park that Katie herself would love to have. It doesn't look likely to happen. So for Kelly Harrington then, is that a world that you could see her getting into given the the personality you've described? No, I'm not sure I can because one thing she can do if she stays amateur is she can live at home, Kevin. She can uh, do all her training in Abbottstown. She can have the life she has now, which she clearly loves. If she turns professional, she'll almost certainly have to move abroad. Um, I'm not sure she'll want to do that. Now, there are people saying, well, it's, and, and Kelly herself has said, it's, Paris are pro. It doesn't have to be. It's not mutually exclusive that, you know, because we've had, a, I, I think, almost 40 professional boxers boxed in Tokyo this year. So professional boxers are allowed box in the Olympics these days. The problem there is it's impossible to see a scenario in two and a half years' time when the IABA are nominating their boxers to go to qualifying tournaments for Paris. It's impossible to see a situation where if Kelly has turned pro, they will then parachute her in on top of these boxers. I can't see that happening. A piece in this week's Irish Independent by Declan Lee pointed out that in Singapore, a gold medal winner can hope to get €630,000 from the state. In the US, they get 32000 In Italy, it's worth 180000 but at home in Ireland, it's not quite the immediate bonus that you might expect. Mick O'Keefe, CEO of Tenio Ireland, an expert in the business of sport. How do we treat our Olympians as a state and financially when they come home to make sure that I suppose they are uh, they have a wage like the rest of us? Yeah, we, we don't have a, a kind of a gold medal pension, so to speak, like some of the other countries have. Um, what we do have, though, is a well-backed, well-funded carding system for elite sports people, which is based on uh, potential performances at major games like Olympic Games and World Games. So the likes of Kelly Harrington and others would have been well-carded, well-funded, I suppose, from governments through Sport Ireland and their their own federation perspective. But we don't have a, a big, chunky gold medal or bronze medal or silver medal bonus for these people to live off for the rest of their lives. However, the, the, the benefits to uh, an athlete or a boxer or a rower um, come in more kind of subtle ways, which would be I suppose, further state funding, but also through commercial partnerships. And I suppose the beauty of being a successful Olympian is to become relevant every four years again. So. I don't know what, what the future is going to hold. I just have to, uh, have to assess every situation possible and see what's right. Um, I'm 31 now and see whatever, see where the money maker is really, you know, like, um, and then we'll go from there. There is, I suppose, for, for someone like Kelly Harrington, there is a lifespan here. How quickly... And how does she make money on the back of what's happened here? Because sponsors will be coming to her, but she has to make choices both short term and long term. There's a short, medium and long term thing here, Kevin. So again, the short term, you know, she's going to have a busy three, four months ahead and a whole deluge of calls coming in from people looking for her to speak at events, to turn up at corporate gigs um, and brands that want to be um associated with her um, a lot's going to depend on whether she she stays amateur which you know the kind of current thinking will be that on balance she probably will but if you look at the next olympic cycle there's a medium term thing here where you know trying to align ourselves with 
appropriate brands. She already has a good suite of partners, but you know, you'd like to think someone like her could get three-year deals as opposed to maybe the one-off kind of campaign stuff that gets her up to Paris. Um, and the value of those deals could be anything depending on, you know, is there TV, you know, print advertising associated with that? Um, you know, you could be looking at six-figure deals for those. So when you count in, you know, those kind of those kind of deals plus the state funding, you know, there could be 250, 300,000 per annum uh, in revenue for someone like that if, they're, if they handle themselves appropriately. And then longer term, you know, as you rightly said, you know, there's a career in, in sport uh, for, for, for Kelly and definitely punditry, but based on the way she's handled herself too. Um, and as I said there before, you know, you become relevant every time there's an Olympic Games and there's Olympic Games every four years. So, you know, that's when people look for more appearances and so on. So I think she set herself up for life. Well, what kind of companies, Mick, would be looking for Kelly Harrington? Because I, I I know the bus shelter down the road from my house, there is a big picture for the last few weeks of Kelly Harrington and a pizza, uh, which has been sold as the Kelly Harrington pizza with, with her favourite toppings on it. Um, it struck me as a slightly unusual uh, one, given her, her sport and, 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 and all the rest of it. So what kind of companies would come looking for someone like Kelly Harrington? Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, people like ourselves or others, and, and I'm sure her agent is having these conversations too, would be trying to find companies or trying to work with companies that fit with what she stands for. So, you know, you'd like to think that um, organizations that are involved in, you know, sports, nutrition, lives, healthy lifestyle. So she already has a relationship with Max Sport, which is a gym equipment company, which makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, things like fast food and, and, and food, you know, athletes need to be really careful about how they position themselves around that. I'm not saying base is a is an inappropriate partner because I'm sure they were there to support her when maybe there wasn't a whole heap of others there as well. Uh, and then your your regular, you know, um organization things like motoring, you know, banking, finance, and insurance, which already has an insurance partner as well. Um, and people trying to capitalize on on her incredible popularity. What kind of a factor is gender in all of this? Because we know in many sports, I'm thinking things like golf, like soccer the men tend to do a lot better. Their pay packets are, are way bigger. They they have way bigger sponsorship deals. So do, will gender play any factor here? Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I think from a from a positive perspective, um, the last five, six years have seen a huge burst towards, you know, equality, um, a push towards more coverage of women's sport, a massive uh, pressure, Kevin, on, on brands and organizations to have gender balance in their sponsor portfolio up to a point of, of board level and a part of diversity and inclusion strategies within organizations. So there's very few sponsors out there that aren't actively looking for female sports sponsorships um, to balance some of their male portfolios already haven't done. So people will want to work with, with, with people like Kelly Harrington, regardless of her gender. But I think in this particular instance, there is momentum behind and positive momentum behind women in sport and and, and sponsors getting behind women in sport. And I think she's perfectly poised to, to capitalise on that. You were listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie, produced by Mary Carroll and sound designed by Dara Kelly. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 